ego, self-love, facing your fears, letting things go. See, all of those topics, they're about empowerment, self-empowerment. And that's what this interview is all about today. We're having a conversation with Ksenia Shumi, who's an influencer, and she's got over 11 million followers. She's all about empowerment, empowerment of you to succeed. Let's enjoy every single second. Let's do this. Ksenia Toomey. Here we are again. Hello, James. How are you? Very good. Now that you're here to talk. Well, look, last time we, we talked about your book, Empower Yourself. Yeah, so I'm not going to go over all of your book. But I do want to start with that word empowerment. It's a great word, isn't it? Yeah. Well, what does it mean to you? It means to take responsibility for your own life. and That's chapter one. Authentically. Yeah, you, you know it by heart. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, and live authentically to whatever your core values are, but you need to first discover what they are. And if they are, you've been influenced or not by other people to, to live a life that is not entirely your own. What's most important to you then? Freedom. Someone once taught me that, how do you find your values? You just ask that question. What is important to me? So your first answer there was freedom. What is freedom? Is it, what is it? Nobody is completely free if we live in a society. And even if because of what? Because we are conditioned by rules, and without rules, a society wouldn't work. So we're never completely free, but we can at least be aware of our own limitations and decide which ones we wanna take on and which others we just wanna, you know, liberate ourselves. Let's make it more specific. Um, religion, cultural norms governments some people let's take a very extreme example i don't think that people in north korea know that many of them don't know they're being oppressed because no. they don't know you they don't know what you don't know you don't know alternatives maybe we are also in the same position in other areas of our lives and we don't know until we start looking into ourselves and looking outwards as well and trying to um open our mind to ideas that would, could be maybe the opposite of ours as well. So without prejudice. Do you do that? I try. When well, do, you, do you think opening your mind to the opposite? Yes. I've heard that before by a number of people I've interviewed and been at conferences. You know, talk, to, you know some people say, look, look at what the best are doing and copy that versus look at what the best are not doing. But you're saying look at what you're not doing or think the opposite. So if there's some ideas or people that trigger you, it's usually an area to explore. If you're being triggered, that it's something that is touching something within you. What's, it, what's a trigger? Something that resonates with you? For example, I get triggered very strongly by um, anti-feminist ideas. So that is an area to explore because it's a completely opposite mentality to mine. You know, I'm, I'm self-made, I'm for empowerment and I'm for equality of the sexes. But there are people who might on their own have valid ideas that have a completely different point of view towards what... So, so do you go in there with almost feeling bitter about it or do you go in there feeling curious about it? 
you can uh, it definitely trigger something it could trigger some anger but before going in it with anger you should just you know take a break just and wait for it and then go with curiosity because otherwise you're not going to learn yeah i mean a- another thing that you'd said there freedom can you be personally free without being financially free not in our society it all depends on the society and the place you're at if you're obviously living on an island and know how to hunt and fish then maybe you can yeah because you're not bound by the same rules which you've just mentioned so you know fi- financial freedom what is financial freedom is that where your outgoings you've got a passive income that's covering all of your outgoings i mean that would be the conventional idea what financial yeah. freedom is i don't believe don't believe that passive income is truly passive first yeah. of all you're not the first person that uh, said that. i think there's always something that you should be doing and controlling yeah. and working for and i think the energy you put in is what you get out in any situation and any anything you're doing and in my opinion financial freedom is personal it's when you live authentically to yourself what you do on a daily basis it has an gives you net pleasure because it's never going to be perfect but it at least gives you net pleasure and not net pain so whatever financial you know whatever job you're performing to get money is giving you net pleasure and you are covering all of your needs then you are financially free but you really need to see am i living in that pleasure or am i struggling so what's happiness then does happiness come with personal freedom or does it come before personal freedom i mean it depends it's very personal it's just it's the same as saying what is the meaning of life i think it each and every person has their own meaning for life and they have to give it themselves same with ca- the yeah. happiness there's no in my opinion yeah you can say it's pleasure you can say it it's being serene or it, other people will be like oh uh, i want people in my close circle to be good that makes me happy everyone has their own definition of happiness of course what's yours mine health first of all is that the number one 100% for everybody come on and then um genuine freedom i think as i said um freedom of agency what's agency you mentioned that before just be able, be able to do what you want to do be, what you want create what you want or not to is that more applicable now we've got generation z oh. millennials have they got agency about themselves do they? Hmm. It's complicated. They live in um in a world where they are obliged to be online first of all. And they grew grew I feel like there's almost a rebellion from Gen Z. Uh They're rebellious. They're rebellious towards uh the obligation of putting out content about themselves online on social media. That's why sometimes they don't do it. Because of critics. Because they don't want this perfect life that millennials used to portray online so it goes generationally millennials were forced to portray a perfect life on social media because boomers and i wouldn't say gen x i would say boomers would um criticize millennials saying that social media doesn't make them look professional it makes them look a little bit you know ridiculous or belittled so millennial generation try to 
put themselves out there as perf- perfect. So it looks professional, it looks reputable to have a perfect reputation. And I feel like that Gen Z now has a reaction to that. They don't want that perfectionism. They want to be free, freer. Are they free? I wouldn't say though. I mean, depends what, again, depends on the definition. Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I certainly get the vibe that Gen Z's are a little bit more free. There's more, more free spirit about them. They're moving from job to job. You hear that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of memes going around about Gen Z's say like being like, oh, no, this is not, you know, very entitled in a way that like uh, it, I don't feel psychologically comfortable to wake up at 7 a.m. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What What about building a following? Is there a pressure on people to build a following now because of social media and the way the marketing has gone? I believe so. I believe that it's seen as value to have followers. And it is value because you're like a little media outlet. Yeah. So it's definitely a form of power in its own. Yeah. So you built a following of somewhere between 10 and 12 million. Who knows what it is? What's the best thing about having such a big following? There is a lot of power in having following. First of all, of course, any business you want to start, you already have potential consumers. I'm not saying that right. they are your consumers. I'm saying they could be. Yep. You can, of course, my bread and butter is collaborations uh, with brands. That is my main source of income. Collaboration with brands? Yes, 100%. Long-term collaboration. How, does that, how, does that, how is that a source of income? Brands want, want to reach my audience. <laughs> they want me to you know, incorporate their clothing, their, their beauty products, whatever products they want yep. that fits my brand. Obviously, not everything fits my brand. And it has to be, it's also an association with other brands that I work with. Yes. So it's branding and sales and it's eyeballs. Branding, sales, eyeballs, but what you said at the start gives you influence of potential customers. Influence of potential customers. There's so much to it. It gives you access. Um, it also there's so many other products that you can create with it that are digital products. Obviously, there you go. You have a podcast. Yeah. It's a digital product. Same with it could be a course. Yeah. And not just physical products like I use. I usually promote, which are high-end clothing, beauty. Yeah, and but it's so good that you're on a podcast because you. Yes, you do a lot of the the, the high-end products and stuff, but you're also very, very intelligent. Thank you. Appreciate that. That's very sweet. I mean, you, I mean, you just tell us a bit about your background and your study and where you've come from. Um, so I come from the Italian part of Switzerland. Yep. Cultural language, first language is Italian. My parents are originally Russian-Ukrainian, so I speak Russian too. Yes. Uh, but I grew up on the border between Switzerland and Italy, close to Milan, hence fashion, fashion sense, and working with fashion. The Italians are so stylish. The Italians are very stylish. See, see what I love about Italy is a number of things. Number one, it's a beautiful city in Rome. So, I mean, Rome, I mean, you can literally walk everywhere. So it's nice buildings, great weather, good coffee, great food, and incredible style. That's Italy, yeah? We grow up with, you know, looking at every detail of a person's style. Literally, in school, we would say, oh, I like this guy, but mm, he doesn't dress well, so I won't go for him. Uh, literally, that was it. Was that in Switzerland or Italy? Look, Lugano. It's 
literally 15 minutes from Como and 45 minutes from Milan. It is Swiss documents, Italian culture. That's where I'm from. Very cool. Yeah. So anyway, making it short, I studied economics. Parallel to that, I was already working in media. I have become well known because I have had in the country in Switzerland because I hadn't win a beauty pageant, which is very funny. Um, I was. Why is it funny? Because right now I wouldn't do a beauty pageant, <laughs> but at the time I was. This made you who you are. Of course, but at the same time, right now it's like being judged for your aesthetics uh, mm, and compete against women for that. This is literally something I would not stand behind. But it's. Uh, uh, the culture's shifting on that, though, isn't it? It has. It's becoming much more accepting of diversity. 100%. People with different backgrounds. You've wrote the book on Empower Yourself. Yeah. I mean, we're in an empowerment revolution now. I mean, are we there yet? No, but we definitely have good years for this. And so, coming back to the beauty pageant, it definitely made me who I am yeah. because I have been confronted with so much discrimination one way or another. So that obviously made me reflect what types of discrimination you're a woman you cannot do this or you are too pretty or too sexy yep. so you cannot be intelligent and work in a bank i had internships in investment banks once i finished my studies and i was like all eyes were on me because i was a model or whatever you call it like an, i had a public image yeah and that obviously hindered my work it didn't help me at all it was like everyone was so rigid about it. Everybody was so afraid of me just because of what? Of me being on billboards? Like, so there, is, there was a lot of prejudice and it did close a lot of doors for me. It didn't open. So even to get my internships in investment banking, I think I had to interview much more. How old were you when you got your internships? The first one I was 18, 19. Then uh, 21 and 23. W where were they in Switzerland, London, London? Switzerland, London, London. Yeah. Where's your favorite place? London. <laughs> I love London. I chose it because to live. diversity, size, central. I find it extremely polite and tolerant. I think British culture helps. Right. It's British culture and a mix of you know internationality. Yes, it is. Yeah. So it's uh, it's unique. All right, coming back to that original point, uh, I did say what were the best bits of having such a large following Are there anything else Oof. i mean honestly it's a lot it is a lot of course there's also a lot of uh, prejudice about it yeah so if you say you are a content creator or an influencer as the barriers at entry are so low literally anyone could you know start making viral videos on tiktok and become famous that does not mean they have a skill so when you say it people usually what's the key to viral videos knowing the algorithm or understanding how it works that is the key to viral viral videos and it depends on your niche really depends do you, you remember your first viral video no but i remember my last one <laughs> it was about uh, photography and it got maybe 50 to 60 million views recently right yeah you proud of that um no, but happy. Is that is that your personal best? I think it is. Wow. And this is like a couple of months ago. So we, we're, we're growing, growing. We're growing. No, no, we're growing really well. Yeah, yeah. That's very important. What are the worst bits about having such a big following? Hmm. 
well mm, privacy is one sometimes you have to be a, a little bit cautious and careful a lot of people want a piece of you in a way a lot of people get to you because on, on social media uh, or physically i was just waiting for the cab right now and the person came to me he's like let's take pictures i'm like maybe not here no let's do it and I was like, okay it depends the place moment in time sometimes it's nice some people are very grateful some people you know email me or text me incredible messages like you motivated me to start a business yes. you motivated me to like do this take care of myself and i get this a lot this is great but there's also another side you have less privacy you gotta be very careful and cautious because as a woman even more because some people yep. are a bit weird and another one uh, i hear a lot of that on social media especially from females that come forward and speak to me you gotta be careful yeah, yeah. <laughs> it happens to you no they've, they've told me yeah. about it oh okay i thought yeah. it was you're no, no. females harassing you. No, no. I've, I've not been harassed. <laughs> not, not yet. Not, not, yet. not yet. Let's wait and see. Yeah, coming up. Um, no, it's, um, you know, that is a point. you got to be very cautious. So it's not like I can have big parties at my house. It's definitely not a, an option. You just party at other people's houses. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you have to go to someone else's Where's house. Where's the best party you've ever been? The ghetto in the Dominican Republic, always and forever. I love to dance. This is my other private side that people don't see on social media. What kind of dance music? Um, bachata, merengue, dembow, reggaeton. It's all Latin American music. Did I hear limbo in there? No. What was the... Dembow. Oh, right. <laughs> Do you like limbo dancing as well? What is that? <laughs> limbo dancing? You don't dancing in the limbo? No. Oh. oh, is it the one you go like this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I'll do that. We, it's we, cool. We, we, huh. We're going to do we're gonna do a test on you afterwards. All right, let's do see, it. Under see, the see how low you can go. Uh, yeah. that, I have to train, <laughs> but I like it. Yeah, so Latin American dancing is like kind of my um, moment where I switch off from everything. So coming back to another downside of followers you got to be very careful because people sometimes are just trying to get to you because they want to get a piece of the game, piece of whatever is going on for you. And you need to always try and to try to be discerning. The, the selfish. They're looking out for themselves. Most of the time. Very, very often. You get a lot of that. People yeah. People want it, wanting to get some more followers, followers themselves. It's not just followers. It's take advantage of whatever your position you're at. But yeah. I think it's normal. It happens with any type of yeah. success. You hear about it, don't you? you know. I mean, any type of success brings that. So, is one downside, you've got to be cautious. Is another downside a lot of criticism? Mm, yeah, you get haters, for sure. But uh, it's part of the How game. How do you deal with that? You ignore them. It's the best way. Unless somebody's dangerous, then you have to observe it and at least take note. Like at least know who right. or, or screenshot it, but most of the time I just ignore it. Sometimes I use them to my own advantage. So if somebody's creating a controversial comment that is plain wrong or unethical, yeah. I put it on evidence and I blast them on purpose. So people go and also get provoked by it and it's really good to start a conversation. Those are conversation starters sometimes. And it's good as it doesn't really affect me personally. I've been working in the industry forever. So it, I don't, I have a very thick skin at the same time. Did you it, have to learn to develop that skin? Has mm, it ever hurt you? Let me think about it. 
I think it hurts me more now than when I was younger. Really? So you, yeah. you, you were even stronger when you were younger? Yeah. In some ways? No, I was definitely stronger. I was just didn't care about whatever, w- what people w- because said. Because of ambition? <sighs> because I was a bit more naive, I guess. A bit more unaware. So it made me a little bit more oblivious to how people, how bad people can be. So now you're a little bit more aware yeah. of people's evil. But when I was younger, I was like, I thought, ah, I'm invisible, and, you know. Yeah, well, you, you were saying you don't know what you don't know earlier on. Mm-hmm. So you didn't know about that. Now you know about that. You're acutely aware of it, and it affects you a little bit more. Yeah, but youth helps. Oh, God. Being unaware helps to, you know, try and be daring and, and just, you know. That's why even in adulthood, I think it's very important to remind ourselves to, to shake off these fears or past experiences and just, you know, throw yourself in without thinking about, you know, oh my God, this might happen again. You see, a lot of people, they do, they, they do grow following or they do emerge or they do achieve some form of success. But I know because we brought you to, conf- to a conference three or four years ago. 2020. 2020. So, and, and now you, you've grown again a lot further. What's the key to sustaining success and growing even further? Reinventing yourself, for sure. How often do you do that? You have to understand that if you grow a certain following and it's not growing any longer, it's because everyone who had to see you saw you and doesn't want to follow you. If they, you came across their feed at some point, I'm talking you know, Instagram, but it could yeah, be yeah. TikTok, it could be Facebook, it could be Snapchat, whatever. Uh, if you already came across them and they decided not to follow you, they won't follow you again. That means so powerful. That. that means you have to do something else, and that is one thing. And another thing is algorithm again. It's all about algorithm. So you've got to be aware of the plateau. So when it starts plateauing, that's when you reinvent yourself. That's when you reinvent yourself. What does that mean, reinventing yourself? So before, I'll give you a very practical example. Before I used to do mainly okay okay i reinvented myself many many times so before social media i was doing offline so i was presenting on stage and i was writing for magazines shooting for brands that you were writing as well yeah yeah i was writing and shooting for brands and interviewing people as well and shooting for brands and being on billboards and being the face of brands or like on traditional you know newspapers or magazines then with social media, I started a uh, online magazine where we were talking about beauty, art, and quite a lot of you know luxury. But it wasn't specifically clothing; it was more you know travel or places. And then there was Facebook. That's how I went. We went viral. We became very popular on that. And then we then it started to plateau, and people started to ask me what I'm wearing. That's how I opened Instagram and, and reinvented myself into fashion, fashion yeah. and beauty and high-end fashionable products. But now, I would say like in the past year, year and a half, year, it's not working that well anymore, the static pictures. Nobody because, cares. Because everyone who's needed to see you has seen you. Correct. And those people are already following yeah, me and, for and, my and, style. And, they, and they, will, they will still keep following you. They do because I'm not completely giving up my yeah. style content what i'm doing is i'm adding to it an extra layer and the extra layer is 
me speaking on camera. Is, is reinventing yourself a little bit like strategic planning in business? 100%. This is a business. And, you know, the people who thrive the best at it are really hardworking right. and structured. Are you hardworking and structured? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I try to be. I mean, hardworking for sure. Structured, it goes in waves. <laughs> yeah, actually, last time, who, who, who are your three trusted advisors? And you rely on yourself a lot, don't you? I do. I work with people, of course. I have no choice. Uh, but they are not like... I mean, I have people working with me, and, but they are external. Yeah. So, coming back to creating that, la that large following. Mm-hmm critics you handle that you brush that off it affects you now a little bit more than it used to affect you um have there been any have there been any big mistakes that you've made in your growth first wait let me pinpoint the part where you say it affects me more what affects me the most usually and it shouldn't i'll get there but what affects me the most is when I speak a lot about empowerment, right? And I speak a lot about my journey. And people invalidate my journey oftentimes saying, you didn't achieve it alone, or you are lying, or what you're saying is not true. And basically it's like, give me one second, everything I did, I really, really worked hard for. And you're just trying to remove the saying, oh, you have a rich daddy, you know? Oh, it's just a rich family, that's why she's there. She made it because of the family, it's not true. So things like that. And that is the part where I'm like, one second. If, the, if what I'm saying is not believed, then what am I saying this for? I'm not going to empower other people to do the same. But it's a very, very small person. Yeah, look, I believe that you're hardworking. I didn't know you were going to say that, you know, about it coming from, you know, you, were, you, you had a benefit, beneficial upbringing, you had a rich daddy or whatever people are saying. I thought they were going to say other people had helped you. I'm guessing you've had help along the way, though. There has been people who believed in me, but it wasn't specifically help. It was collaborations. Say uh, management, right? Yeah. At the very beginning, when I was like a teenager, managers believe in, believed in me and what put did, me to work what, with what, them. What, what did they say to you or what did they do? Well, they put me under management. That means they, they sent me to, to, I don't know, do campaigns or host for TV or things like that. So that was through people who already were in the industry and they did believe in my skill or my ability did to perform. Did they tell you those words? We, I believe in you. No, they, but they, it was the facts that spoke for themselves. They wouldn't right. have signed me. <laughs> so, but what you're saying there is you, you're taking confidence from that. I'm taking confidence from results. And the fact that they're pushing you to do an interview with someone. Or I mean, I'm not going to be very, like, it's, I am definitely grateful for the fact that there has been people that did hire me to do the various things. That's, that's what it is. But I think it's a synergy. It's a collaboration. I really like what you just said, Ashley what you took from them was belief. They believed in you and it gave you a little bit of belief. But then you said, I, I got my confidence from results. Yeah. 
Is that the only way to get true confidence, get results? No, that is not true confidence. The, the true confidence should come before that. What, what, in what way? It's just, it should not be attached to your actions. Of course, of course, your journey and your actions and your reactions to your actions by other people build your confidence. But they can, but if you have a moment of failure, a few years yeah. that you have a project and it's not working out, you're going to lose your confidence, then it's not true confidence. So true confidence comes within before. Yes, in your own belief, uh, in your qualities as a human being, and in your abilities to to work to achieve things. So it has to be between you and you first, and that's the best. And that comes from the parents, really. If the parents believed in you as a kid, you start believing in yourself. Does it all come also come from self-reflection? If you didn't get that from your parents, you can develop it. But it's you know, self-work. You have to start, you know, talking to yourself and developing it if you don't have it. You mentioned last time an act of kindness, an act of self-love. Yeah. So give us an example of an act of self-love. Mm, self-talk. We all have negative self-talk. Yeah. Like if I make a mistake, I insult myself right. within my head and that is what you should change consciously all the time. And it's continuous work. It's forever. Is there a difference between ego and loving yourself? 100%. What's the difference? As I said, ego is, oh, I'm confident because I have a good track record of results. That is, you know, confidence based on ego. And confidence based on self-love is I'm confident because I'm, I know I'm a good person or I know I'm hardworking and no matter what happens, I believe in my own abilities to make it back. That's really interesting, actually. One's external, one's internal. And does that always mean, though, just because you've got, you've got external results, 12 mm. million followers is an external result. Why, why does that not lead to ego, even if you have But results? it does. It definitely does. I'm not saying that what I have achieved did not boost some of my confidence. It really did. But I try to be mindful of it. And try to understand that my value as a human does not depend on my success. It, it's good. It's pleasant. It's a good thing to celebrate because celebrating success is very important. It fosters more success and more work. But it shouldn't be all of me. I am more than what I've achieved. I, there's like a whole world to me. And hopefully I can also, you know see areas where I can improve that are not necessarily linked to, you know, results, financial result, results or social results. There's other areas that have more to do with me as a human being that I can still be improving. So that's a way to, you know, see myself in a more complete way. What's more important, confidence or discipline? The two are not competing at all i like that <laughs> the two are not competing if you could choose to have one which would you have confidence why because you can be, be disciplined but at the very crucial moment you're not gonna make that leap make take that jump or just dare be daring and it's very important to be daring in life but i'm not saying then there's there could be the fake ego confidence that could just, you know, make you very bitter 
because you're going to become entitled and without achieving results, you would expect to have them. That's also a problem. So it's a balance between the two. What comes first, self-love or confidence? Self-love, of course. Because that builds it. 100%. So if I I was lacking self-love and you had to give me some advice, what kind of advice are you going to give me? Uh, it's mindfulness between you and you. So you, t- you, you, you t- have to take some time every single day to be kind to yourself, to love yourself, whatever that means to you, like a little gesture of love. And maybe it's awareness, you know, because what is a little gesture of love? Giving yourself a 10-minute break, allowing yourself to have a cup of coffee. Self-talk. Some people are unaware yeah. that within their head there is a lot of negativity yeah. and judgment of themselves. Yeah. Another, there's a lot of practices. I, I list them as well in my book, Empower Yourself. Let's, let's talk about self-talk. So self-talk, you can also write it down. I, go on. Philosophical uh, meditation. It's you write down your thought and then you break it down and is that rationally true or not? And then you change it. What's right? your definition of self-talk? I mean, it's not my definition. It's self-talk. It's your internal conversation that goes on between you and you about yourself. Yeah, when you're by yourself. Yeah. Or anytime. I mean, even now, maybe when you're thinking, you're thinking something about yourself. See what you think of this. This is Vince Lombardi, one of the greats in sports. So you don't have to know who he is, but this is what self-talk is. It's the biggest performance-enhancing drug in the world. You like that one? Love it. Why? Because it's more powerful than I thought. Didn't expect it to yeah. be this powerful. Nothing will in nothing will enhance your performance more so than the voice in your head. Equally, nothing will debilitate your performance more so than the voice in your head. Confidence. Yeah. How do you get control of the, over the voice? It's practice. It's not from today to tomorrow. It's correcting your negative patterns. So if you catch yourself. It's like, oh, I'm so stupid. You just say, no, I'm not. It happens. I'm actually good. It's literally small practice and it's consistency. Yeah, a lot of your NLP practitioners, they get you to put an elastic band on your wrist. Every time you catch yourself, you do this. But every time you do that, you're becoming acutely aware of it. And before you know it, your wrist is red. And now you're aware of your thoughts. So first step is to become aware of your thoughts. Yes. So again, we go back to mindfulness. And it could be anything. It could be... Sitting in silence or practicing, you know. When did you first do mindfulness or silence? Oof. A long time ago. I was a teenager. I think I was a teenager. It's quite young, really. Yeah, and um, I I was collaborating on a project with a very successful entrepreneur. We were producing something now, I don't remember. It was in Switzerland. And uh, I asked him to, to teach me to be my mentor in that. Uh, because I saw how great he was at what he was doing. I was like, oh, I want this too. And, um, cut. And, <laughs> and, um, and that's how I was kind of introduced to the practice of meditation, just simple, silent meditation. I, and from there on, you know, the rest is just. Have you been taught meditation techniques or do you just do your own? I have been taught meditation techniques now. I'm not going to lie, I'm not very consistent at all. But when I am, I see the difference in my results. 
and they come very fast. It's crazy. Like as soon as I remember to be consistent with my practices, my whole life just gets into flow, into place. So everything comes from your brain. Everything comes from within. And I guess your brain also creates a certain pattern, uh, energetical pattern around you and your life. Everything falls into place. And yeah. it's not being woo-woo. I'm very science-based. Like yeah, yeah, I, um, I don't like things that are not rational, scientifically proven, but it's just anecdotal. I can see it in my life. Yeah, so you, you know that principle of getting into flow? when you stop doing the meditating you, you get out of flow to a degree someone that I spent a lot of time with a world famous business coach executive uh, uh, business coach um, he says flow is something that you don't want to get in and out of it's something that you want to get in and stay in for as long a period of time as possible almost like a phase or a period what are your thoughts on that? I don't think that's realistic, but if he can, then he is a guru. I don't know. Just look back at look back at your career. I mean, has there been phases of it where you've just forged forward, where you've just literally? But that's momentum. That's not flow. It's different. Momentum is when you you start moving the wheel and the wheel goes and you keep pushing and it's already moving. Sometimes you get out of momentum or you can keep the momentum go going but that's not flow what i'm talking about flow is mental flow it's like basically when you, your focus is so laser sharp that that everything falls into place yeah some people watching this might stand to correct me right now but they reckon the average person has anywhere between two uh, between 50 and 70 stimuli pieces of information in the head at any time mm -hmm. yet when you're in the state of flow and uh, the studies of really successful people that are in state of flow, they've got between two and seven wow. bits. And the key difference is selective attention. You, and, and what you do with information in your brain is you either act on it or delete it. And <laughs> do you agree or disagree? I 100% agree. My brain does that a lot. Yeah, just delete. Go on. My brain deletes what is... You've and there's an art yeah. to deleting. What is it? Well, you've got it. I want you to. I want you to share it. No, I don't. It's automatic. So yeah, it, it's yeah. because it's habitual now for you. I think I get so much stimuli by the fact that I'm always interfacing new people at my work. Yep. I'm always in new situations. It's. In the, I don't have a routine by the means of my work. I always have new clients, new situation, new places I fly to. Yeah and I'm always surrounded by new people, that my brain automatically edits whatever is not relevant. And it works. It works to my advantage to a certain degree, and then sometimes I get scared because I forget whole situations. Not that they were useful to me, but it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, well, but you, you've got this deleting principle that goes on, and that allows you to stay focused for a long period of time. I think it's survival at that point. When you're bombarded with so much stimuli, it's like my brain's just, I have to survive. I'm just going to take the important bits in, everything else. How many messages do you get a day on social platforms? I have no idea. I don't open them most of the time. You must reply to some, like five I a day, do. two a day. I don't reply to them normally, but I have a lot of platforms. So there are some which I should be replying because some of them are consulting. I do consulting. Right. So some of them 
have tiers in which people can reach out for life advice, business advice, whatever consulting you need, uh, different degrees, of course. So those ones are stimulating because obviously the people want something, some advice all the time. Other than that, I do not open my DMs. It would be impossible. So one way I was going to ask you how you filter them and it's just simply just don't open the DMs. I mean, I must be... Like, I have to have an extremely <laughs> empty day to go into my DMs and filter them. Do you ever have an empty day? Do you ever have a chill out? If I decide to. So that means I just ignore everything. And then I have my empty day. And what do you do on an empty day? Nothing. <laughs> you watch TV? I love to be very low-key, so, you know... I don't like to wear makeup or like fancy clothes. I like to be like, it depends if I'm in London or not. But I just, you know, I could be taking a walk, chatting on the phone, laughing, dancing, whatever. It's very simple. And how often do you have those days? I go on periods. Like I work in bursts. So I could have a few months where I just work. It doesn't matter if it's a Sunday or a Monday. It doesn't matter. I just want to. And then I go get to a point where I feel my body saying no. And that is when I already, like, any any small thing already starts to bother me. So I'm like, okay, I'm getting to a saturation level. I need to, like, let some steam out. So usually it's either I travel. Traveling helps me a lot. Love traveling. It's like a vice. But I usually travel to a tropical place, and that's where I kind of switch off. Or I just take some time on my couch. It's very simple. Low cost. Delivery, some show, TV show, I'm done. <laughs> what kind of delivery? Uh, pasta. I eat a lot of pasta. That's a really healthy delivery compared mm. to what I was thinking. Is it? Is it? Pasta's not so healthy. But I eat a lot of it. because obviously It's the lesser of two evils. What do you eat? Burgers? No. Uh, no, but I, I could get pizza. Oh, you were talking about weed. <laughs> I was talking about what? Weed, I'm so naive I, I, no. No, I wasn't talking about weed, I've never smoked any weed yeah, in my life know. And that can go on record by the way <laughs> No, no, so what type of delivery do you yeah, Pizza Pizzas, oh that's sort of those two I'm allergic to cheese sadly All right, You don't have to have cheese on it, you could get garlic bread That's nice See? But I eat a lot of bread at night I munch You munch at night, do you? I have to stop <laughs> Yeah, all right. So, you, you, look, let's come back to this self-talk. You hear these phrases and different people talking about affirmations yeah. and having a preset list of affirmations. It's a bit noisy. How's the background noise? It's a bit noisy. Should we shut the window? Should we shut it? I just repeat the question because yeah, yeah yeah so let's talk about affirmations mm -hmm. yeah there's lots of people who's wrote books on affirmations and the power of the words i am and having a preset list of affirmations do you agree disagree there's people who actually use them and it really works really yeah. well for them do i do them no have i tried them yes it could work before i go on stage you know sometimes moment you want yeah. to feel a certain way you want to feel either powerful or welcoming yeah. or engage with your audience and so you kind of tailor those aff affirmations in your in the mirror before going on stage yeah. but other than that do you do that yeah 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 it's very good it's really really good Out loud 
It's just looking at, not too loud, looking myself at, in the eyes in the mirror. This is a powerful thing. I used to do a lot when I was a teenager, you know, when you're like discovering yourself. Then I lost it and I rediscovered it lately. Just looking at yourself in the mirror, not in an aesthetic way, more yeah. of a like you to you. And what do you care? Like, I've you got say? your back. I got your back. Yeah. Like I'm here for you. You're good. Don't worry. You got this. Yeah. Make it happen. Let's do this. Go for it. Oh, go, there go they are. I love them. They're yeah. really good. Yeah, go for it. You got it. Yeah. You, you got this. It's a good phrase, yeah. isn't it? I like an affirmation with your name on the end of it. You got this, Ksenia. Nice. Go get them, Ksenia. <laughs> go get them, James. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you, you, you see, that's, it's more self-talk, isn't it? When you put your name in it, it's internalized. Mm-hmm. It's like you speaking to yourself. Do you do it? Yeah. Every day? Yeah. Nice. Do it with the kids every day. I've got kids. and That's I, beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's very good. Yeah. And one thing I was very fortunate with, I've only just shared this on a previous podcast as well, um, with my dad growing up, he always instilled the belief that you can do anything. You know, and that is, that's... That's powerful. You got this. You can do anything you choose to do. There's, I mean, there's people who've wrote on the book. So what's your opinion on this? You can do anything, not everything. I mean, it's a limitation. I would say it in a different way. You can do anything if you work for it. Because, you know, you don't want to instill false confidence in people who become entitled, right? You just want yeah, to... like it. It's like, there is no limit, but you need to know that it has a cost. And the cost is... Hard work. Hard work, dedication, commitment, yeah. sacrifice. It's just all of that. But you just say, if you work for it, I think it's short and sweet and it kind of like... What have been your most courageous moments? Mm, very good question. So, most courageous moments. Well, I've overcome a lot of my own fears by myself. Simple ones. Like, I was... I had a phobia of flying. But like a severe one. I wouldn't sleep for a week before a flight. Yeah, yeah, it was serious. And I managed to overcome it by self-talk and understanding the root cause, which was control. And I learned how to let go of control and think and understand in my own head that the pilots are way more expert than me. So that is one of them. But I've had a lot of similar, smaller ones in which I might have had a phobia and I had to find the root cause and and go through it. So basically facing fears. Well, two things, facing fears and letting go. Yeah. See that letting go is a, I'm telling you that is a that is a trait of world-class achievers, all right? It's very hard. Yeah, letting go is hard. I mean, what makes it easy? How do you do it? Just do it. It's not going to be easy. I think you just have to re- create a pattern in your brain. Basically, if you Listen to your fear, you reinforce your fear, and your brain will think it's right to be afraid. And the brain will start thinking that the threat is valid. If you want to invalidate the threat or the perceived threat might not be real, you need to go through the fear. You need to feel the fear and do it. Feel the fear and do it anyway. There's no other way to train your brain to understand that it's okay. All right, so when you... I want your opinion on these affirmations. I've spent a lot of time coaching people over many decades. I've seen the 
right or wrong. And these, in my opinion, right now from where I am, are one of the best types of affirmations that you can use for those two things. Maybe letting go or facing your fears. I'm in control. I'm in charge. I make decisions. I take action. Trust yourself, James. I love them, but they're personal. For me, that's the opposite. I need to do the opposite. Be like, let go of control. <laughs> it's okay. You have to trust other people. <laughs> like, I'd have to do the opposite. Right. Other people know what they're doing. For me, I'm a little bit too in control. Right. I need to be able to trust, trust others. expertise, trust, ability of other people. Well, they do reckon that trusting yourself is really, really crucial in self-development. And, of course, it's, you can't argue with that. But it's not just trusting yourself, is it? It's trusting other people. Yeah, because we cannot do it. Have you had to learn to do that then? Yeah, and it's, I'm still learning. It's a never-ending But you're not trust. learning about trusting yourself because you do it. No, my issue is the opposite one. I need to learn how to trust others more. And empower them with their in control. They're making good decisions. They're making... Exactly. Yeah. It's like, you, you can do it. Delegate, delegate, delegate. That's my weakness so far. Yeah. yeah. So what about when you've got to face your fears repeatedly for a long period of time? It could be you're starting a business and you've got to do a lot of prospecting. It could be your business is on its way down and you've got to push, push, push. What? Just talk to us about that. How you, how you do that over a long period of time? Because doing it for one day, I don't want to say it's easy. Mm. You know, but it's a big difference than doing it for the next three years. Yeah, but you cannot overdo it because then you're gonna start being more afraid, right? You need to do it. You need to take the leap, make yeah. the jump, but be gentle with yourself, right? If you're afraid of a of dogs, say. You're not going to go where there's like 10 dogs <laughs> out there and they're like oh, without a leash. You will start going next to a puppy. Or then just, you know, you, you do it by degree. Same with any other fear you have. You do need to take the leap and see that you're fine. But you don't want to traumatize yourself yeah, but in I like, the process. I like it. You gradually creep it up. I mean, there was a book that was written, you might not have read this, you don't need to have, uh, by a guy called Brian Tracy called Eat That Frog. Mm. It was on time management, being disciplined and stuff. And the principle is, do the hardest thing first. Oh, yeah, prioritizing, 100%. Yeah, yeah, do the hardest thing first, which is a lot of the time for people is facing the fears. It's the thing they procrastinate about, the thing that they avoid. Yeah, we all tend to do yeah. first the like the fringe stuff, but not yeah. the, the elephant in the room. We like, you know. But the, but then there's the other philosophy. Jim Rohn talks about this. So again, really powerful. Which is, if the doing the hardest thing first is getting the best of you, do the easiest thing first, and start and just start momentum. Building. What you're saying, we'll talk about momentum in a second. But I like what what you just mentioned a second ago, which is layering it up. Just I prefer to layer it 100%. Same with like tasks in a day. If there is something that is very difficult and I know it's going to take me a lot of time and emotional effort, I'd rather do three other things that are still useful for me, but at least they make me feel better about myself because I feel like, okay, I started the momentum. Yeah, I'm being productive and now I can get to this. I kind of like 
got into this flow of doing, of action, and then I feel a little bit more confident to face the most uncomfortable task. The Chinese, when they talk about flow, they talk about golden mind. And you see, when you when your brain experiences, or when your ability is lower and the task difficulty is high, your brain experiences pressure. You feel this pressure mm-hmm. because the challenge is pretty high and your skill level is a little bit low. But when your skill level is really high and the challenge is really low, your brain experiences you experience boredom. Boredom. Yeah. 100%. So we've got these two extremes, yeah. which is not, it's not getting the best out of you. You're not in flow. So what this is, what you've got to do is you've got to blend your current skill level with this, the, the level of challenge that you're facing. So you've got to challenge yourself. Up to a certain point without feeling the Because yep. if it gets too much for your skill, you can hit. You need to have the right amount of pressure on yourself. Right, and what's the key to that? Taking on tasks that are new, that challenge you, but that don't crush you. So that's how you grow. You cannot, how do you eat an elephant bit by bit? Yeah, one bite at a time. Yeah. And as long as, as long as it's getting increasingly challenging, progressively. You need to f- start analyzing when you start feeling boredom. At your level, and that's when you can push again. Push again, yeah. How much is it that so? How important is it that someone else can? Have you ever been challenged by anyone else? Has anyone ever given you a challenge that's resonated and challenged you to do something? I mean, in sports, yeah, and professionally, not really. Like you know, heights, things like that. You know, just go and do. Were you a high jumper? No. Oh my God. No, don't even come close to me with that. <laughs> uh, but like, what did I do recently that was challenging? Wim Hof techniques. All right. Uh, just, you know, he, ice. He, he, are you going to do um, a marathon in the Antarctic? It's really nice. I mean, I'm really into ice. I'm obsessed with it. The sensation you get. Barefoot. Um, not barefoot. You get into the ice fully. Ice and bath. you sit. Yeah. You can also, you know, roll in the ice or walk in the ice, but I'm talking about, you know, Wim Hof sitting in the ice for five minutes or whatever amount of time you can challenge. Yeah, Yeah, that is a good challenge because I did it without training the first time I did it. No training, nothing just went in. I was like, all right, we'll see what happens. Really refreshing. (laughs) Yeah, that was great. Actually, because the sensation you get out of adrenaline and, and it's been compared to a powerful drug release in your brain so i don't do drugs i don't know but i was like if this is drugs it's great i'll do ice baths all the time i love it, it was how often do you do ice baths uh i do ice showers i mean cold showers yeah, now because yeah. i don't have a nice bath in every London. day yeah it's amazing why because the sensation of overcoming yeah. that pain and honestly showers are tougher than baths i'll be honest because once you get into the ice bath for the first 20 seconds you suffer yeah. then you just or numb, or don't feel much. I dare you. <laughs> Tomorrow, when you're in the shower, after this podcast, you go and get an ice shower. Turn it on the coldest setting. Yeah, it's, if, if you have the right water, oh my God, it's so good for you. Mentally as well. So, so you, 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 do, you do the ice baths yes. daily, or however, or, uh, ice showers daily. Yeah. 
And you did so earlier on that momentum, when you meditated for a period of time, you always got better results. Always. It's it's just mathematical. It's I can trace it in my life every single time I had a good so period. Why do you, what makes you stop doing it? Stress you sometimes. You forgot about it. Yeah, you kind of like fall off. Usually it's being too busy. It's really yeah. refreshing that someone like you comes on and admits something like that. Yeah, of course. I'm not... I'm, have so many flaws <laughs> i'm not perfect and so yeah i fall off it i fall off it and maybe too busy too stressed something happens life comes in the way and then consistency is everything with meditation it's just consistent so yeah. let's let's say some of the listeners listeners have never meditated before mm-hmm. and you're going to give them three or four tips and, and do it in these steps mm-hmm. go and do this tomorrow after your ice shower or, or or do you in a meditating before your eyes shower? You, what what should they do tomorrow when they go to meditate? Even if it's just for five minutes. Five minutes is enough. Yeah. Um, you find a quiet spot in your house. Yes. Where you're not disturbed by your kids or music or anything, if possible. Five minutes. Sit down. Straight back. You've already got me going. Straight back. Yep. Hands on your knees. And start. Close your eyes, of course. Start focusing on your breath. I know that you will start thinking. When you think, do not beat yourself up or be angry about it. It's not a failure. You just bring your thought back to the breath. The practice is to be able to bring your thought back to your breath. And, of course, the goal is to mindfully sit there without thinking. But even if it happens for half a second, it's good enough. Yeah. So that's it. And that's what's going to bring your brain into flow over time. So meditating is to think about nothing. It's to literally empty the mind for a period of time. And even if it's half a second, that's an accomplishment, isn't it? So whether you notice it or not is one thing. And contemplating is to consider one thing. To contemplate is to think about one thing. To meditate is to think about nothing. Yeah. yeah? And And being mindful. It's being present in the moment. Yeah. Just, I'm here sitting in this room with you now, and it's, I don't think about the future or the past. At any, I'm not thinking about what I have to do later, where I'm going to eat, or if I'm saying this sentence right. I'm just fully immersed in the now. Have you had to learn how to be present? Yeah. My brain goes so fast. Into the future or the past? Future. Mostly. Mostly. I'm very future-oriented. Have you heard the 70-20-10 principle? Mm, no. 70% of your time in the now, doing doing your job, doing the things. 20% of your time in the future, because the future is as bright as you want it to be. And 10% of your time in the past. Okay, to remind yourself how far you've gone or your mistakes or what to do, what not to do. Yeah, it's quite interesting that, that, that some psychologists taught me that you go into the past for two reasons only. One is for belief and confidence, and the other is for learning, and nothing else. That's good. I like it. Only them two things. I feel that people who are very past-oriented are people who are not building, like, they're not happy with the present. Yes, there's self-sabotaging in the yeah. present. Yeah. Because obviously going into the past is making me feel sad now. It's, it's the opposite of what you want. Or even... They're just bored with their present. Their present is not 
giving them any stimulation so they think about what was happens a lot so that is something to be mindful of are you more in the future in the past or in the present what else have you had to learn then about how to be present i mean again techniques of five ten minutes a day so simple work Another thing that works, of course, is sports or cold showers yeah. or workout. Anything that challenges you physically forces you to be present. Mm -hmm. Of course, depending on how much effort you're making, you're doing. But if you are uh, straining yourself, you're not going to be able to think about anything else. So that's an automatic way of being mindful and present. And the, for me personally, it's dancing. Dancing, I'm totally in the moment. It's physical, yeah. it's uh, a skill, it's connection to the person you're dancing with. There is so many things. It's music, so that stimulates your brain a lot. And so for me, that is the best form of meditation. But that's personal. Well, it's not really meditation, is it, when you're dancing? But what you're saying is you're losing yourself, you're in the floor. You are mindful. It is a form of meditation, though. It is. It's like... What about, like, say, a gong meditation? You're focusing on the sound of the gong, right? The same is with dancing. If you're really present in that moment, you don't think about anything. No. At all. You're just there. Just focused. Yeah. It's automatic. You're in flow. Yeah, you're in flow. You don't have to think about your next, where you're placing your no. foot. No. It's you're, all happening. You're just there. You just yeah. It's happening for you. Yeah, it's a state of flow. Have you heard of the psychology of peak experience? Oh, wow, you have so many great things. Can you make a list of your books and ticks and tricks and tips? No, because there's, there's flow. Yeah. And then there's peak experience. And that requires a lot of preparation. It's like when an athlete is training for the Olympics, they want to win the Olympic gold on a certain day. You've got to peak at that point. Mm. And... Does that happen in your walk of life? Have you ever had a state where this is the best I've ever performed at anything? It's, it's very interesting. I don't understand what you want what's the difference between flow and peak experience. You're the best ever at what you're doing in that moment. Yeah. Sometimes in flow, pressure can still get the best of you. Pressure can... It, it can debilitate pressures yeah. that it reduces performance peak experience you perform higher than your level you perform under a pressure even higher i mean i just feel that it's where you see everything so clear no i have no answer really I, I don't know because i just feel that it's for me personally it, got, it comes with practice and experience you know being great comes from practice and experience for me. Nothing else. I got a few. I've got a few simple questions for you now. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite book that you've ever read? Hmm, maybe *Sapiens*. Why? Just like the way he writes. You all know Harari, and more than *Homo Deus*. But I really like. I just like the way he reasons. I like his brain. What about it? It's just so rational. <laughs> what's, your, what's your favorite movie? I'm not a movie person. TV show? TV 
<laughs> Again, good question. Honestly, I'm not a movie person, but um, this is going to be long. You can wait. You can cut this. Thinking. I get into TV shows and then I forget about them, honestly. Like, I remember, like, Shameless, the US version. I used to like Breaking Bad. But again, I get into shows and I get out of them and I forget about them. So I don't have an answer. Do you have a favorite actor or actress? No. I'm really not into it. It's very weird because I'm in the entertainment industry and I'm very close to actors and actresses in terms of, like, you know, we go to events together. We sit at the same tables. But I'm so inexperienced because I don't watch that many movies. So oftentimes I'm like with amazing actors who are great, like great. Like, you know who you're sitting next to? I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And they're great, but I don't know who they are. So it's just not my passion. What about music then? So you've mentioned a whole uh, whole lot of different music. Which Which is your best? If I have to choose between the styles I mentioned, which are bachata, merengue, dembo, reggaeton, I would choose bachata. Are there any online videos of you doing that? You mm. keep, keep that one really private. No, there's not much. All ah, right, okay. There'll be people. There'll be people. <laughs> it's very private. Well, what about if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Hmm. Um, it'd be to... <laughs> Probably know the future yeah then you could definitely have some financial freedom anyway couldn't you (laughs) could predict all of that all right so predict to be able to know the future what's your favorite holiday destination you mentioned earlier on Uh, so simple uh dominican republic yeah i mean last time or italy i love italy that's yeah i love italy as well which part Depends what period of the year. I mean, I feel like my center of interest is Milan. That's where I'm basically from. But obviously in the summer, Milan is... Rome is the best city. You love Rome. I love Milan. (laughs) Sorry. It's either Rome or Milan. It's like Paris or London. Uh, Rome is beautiful. It's stunning. But it's not my place. I think it's not well kept, sadly. They have to improve their uh, maintenance of the city. Um, in Italy, oh, everywhere. Toscana, Liguria, Sardegna, yeah. I can't name it, Puglia, anywhere. Yeah, so uh, such a variety as well. Um, are, you, are you an early bird or night owl? Oh, night owl, extreme. And I, am, um, I have a delayed sleep syndrome, they call it. I don't call it syndrome. It's just my yep. natural circadian rhythm. Oh, late. Rhythm. Hey. Oh, late, late, late. Two or three a.m. Four a.m. 4 a.m. naturally. I am very much into the biohacking community and I use a lot of their tips and tricks. I have a hyperbaric oxygen chamber in my house. <laughs> I uh, have so much red light therapy. I have so many, you know, devices. Really? Oh my God, I'm so passionate about biohacking and longevity. And I know that my whole biohacking friends community bashes me about my circadian rhythm because they are obsessed with the fact that you should sleep with the sun, as in, you know, wake up with the sun. Honestly, I obviously have devices that measure my REM sleep, my deep yeah. sleep, all of it, my breathing and- Use the aura ring my or? Aura ring, yeah. And the best way for me to have, to achieve my peak 
sleep, the best quality of sleep is when I go to bed at 4 a.m. and wake up at 12 p.m. Nothing compares for me. I was like this when I was a kid. I kept all my whole family up. Uh, yeah, I know a number of other people like that, especially people that do um, that do business with America. Yeah, but that's a necessity more yeah. than, than a natural rhythm, yeah. right? If you could have one day in somebody else's life, who would you choose? Mm. It could be a previous person that's no longer with us, or it could be someone... I mean, because of my profession, I would say Oprah Winfrey. Oh. I like. Why did you choose her? Because of my profession, I think she's an incredible entertainer and she knows how to get to people and help people and connect with people. So I admire that. Which day would you choose? Which day? Yeah. Of her it, life? Yeah. Is there when she was still has ha, had her show, I think, on TV. Right. Like one of those episodes. Now, don't ask me which. Is there, <laughs> is there a standout interview that she did? Mm. I mean... Mm. I don't have one right now. A, a, any one of a day. A, I mean, I'd be like, oh yeah, Michelle Obama, but like, I don't know. And there's no Got it. standard answer. Who's helped you most in your own success? What helped me more is the people that didn't help me because that made me fight harder and believe in myself. Like the setbacks were usually actually make you like in italian you say fare le ossa yeah. makes your bones i like that yeah um you might not know you don't need to know this but you can relate to this so this this was recently in football manchester united they played liverpool and they lost and their manager made the players listen to the the crowd afterwards celebrating and he says you need to turn that to motivation Interesting. Turn that into motivation. And to be fair, the manager's done an amazing job. So you did that with your critics and the, yeah. what you're saying there. You've turned it into motivation. 100%. It's proving people wrong in a way, but not for them. It's more for you. But that's what's helped you the most in success. That's what you're saying. Yeah. It's cool. It's a reaction. It's like it's it's propels you into using that. Use that negativity yeah. or lack. People say you can't do it, it motivates you more. <sighs> I mean, usually I I speak a lot about it in my TED talk and, and in my book. You should literally use pain, setbacks, anything negative in your life as fuel. Because it's either that or it destroys you. You have a choice. And you can use it. You know, it's, there's a typical example of somebody being dumped by their boyfriend yeah. or girlfriend and they go to the gym and they get an incredible body and they start dressing well and they become like super attractive. It's a very simple example, but what happened? The, the, the wish to prove their the girlfriend or boyfriend who dumped them wrong made them just, you know, go further in life and be, be a better version of themselves. The same thing can, can happen in any other area. So it, you have a choice. Either you're on a couch crying and, or you are trying to prove people wrong. Yeah, those big things, that might, that might catalyze the self-renewal that you talked about earlier on. You know, when you're out of a period of stagnation, when something big happens, you might want to turn that into energy to renew yourself. Look, I mean, I'm not saying we're not super women or men. We have to have a period of grief, a period yeah. of pain, which is fine. 
it's there's not toxic positivity you know you have to have a time to to feel bad but you cannot live feeling bad for yourself then you make an identity out of it and that's the danger you shouldn't identify with your setbacks or whatever was lacking in your life or you're not a victim you know you have to like mm. use it because we all have something we all have something maybe people don't show it. we all have something that happens to us it's quite powerful lot what you said that you know something bad you can turn it into an identity you can become that and believe yeah. it so much it's very dangerous like people identify with their pain and and then it's just it doesn't allow them to get out of it because they're so used to it because they've identified with it too much and it's become their identity yes and they don't know anything else at that point interesting look we've talked about identity self-love confidence discipline the influence that there's having that such a big followers given you that's great i so am very if, if people should do one thing from this i mean letting go and the facing your fears i mean if people should do one thing from listening to this what what's the one thing there's not one thing it's a few things one of them is um dedicate sometimes between you and you to be kind to yourself i would say that's very important and to know what you really want that's going to help obviously the relationships in there yeah in that dedicating some time to yourself mm -hmm. we did talk about earlier on about the um meditation mm -hmm. the five minutes in for one second of meditation everyone can do that yeah everybody can do that everybody can can have a moment of self like introspection for sure and um be kind to yourself in terms of you know maybe sometimes i appear like oh i'm very disciplined or i am you know, working so hard but it's a balance Everything is a balance in life. So it is a mix between creating good habits and allowing yourself to be imperfect. Dedicating some time to yourself. You know, that's, that's my favorite bit. That meditation thing that you shared earlier on, that simple little steps to do. And just, you, you said it in a really encouraging way. That's my favorite part today. What's yours? Uh... I need to read all of the books you read. <laughs> That's mine. <laughs> no, I love you. I love what you're doing. It's great. Follow him, everybody. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much, yeah, Ksenia Toomey. Thank you. Thank you. It's fantastic. Loved it. Well, we'll see you again next time. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs>